This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. As believers, Jesus Christ, we follow after who? Jesus. Was not Jesus a bond servant in Philippians? It tells us, Paul writes to the church in Philippi, it said Jesus was a bond servant. They're not considered robbery to be equal with God. And he was a faithful servant, a faithful servant to the end. Even faithful unto the cross. He was a bond servant. He was a slave that was willing. He was a willingly slave. And so Paul had enslaved himself to Christ, to be a servant, to obey His will. Was not Jesus a servant? Today, Pastor Eddie encourages believers through the teaching of Paul to follow after Christ's example in humility and service. Paul considered himself to be enslaved to Christ and was diligent in obeying His will. He carried out his life and work unto the Lord. As believers, if Jesus was willing to humble himself to God's will and serve, even to the point of death on a cross, Shouldn't we be willing to serve as well? Well, let's join Pastor Eddie as he begins part two of his message. I love my master. I love the benefits. I love the 401k plan. I love the fact that I could pay $5 copay. I love that. He's really good to me. I want to stay. And he goes to his masters, I am willing to serve you as a willingly slave, a slave that's willing to give up his will. And so if that be the case, what happened is the master will take the slave who's willing to stay with him for the rest of life after the six years, will go with the priest, go to the town court or the city gate, and he would take his earlobe, either at the doorpost of the city gate or the doorpost of the house, and he would take a nail and drive a hole right through the earlobe, and he will put a ring. So whenever you saw a slave with an earring, that means he was a slave who was willing to serve his master, a master and servant relationship. And I think it's a beautiful thing because we as believers in Jesus Christ, we follow after who? Jesus was not Jesus a bond servant in Philippians? It tells us, Paul writes to the church in Philippi, is that Jesus was a bond servant. They're not considered robbery to be equal with God. And he was a faithful servant, you know, a faithful servant to the end. Even faithful unto the cross. He was a bond servant. He was a slave that was willing. He was a willingly slave. And so Paul had enslaved himself to Christ, to be a servant, to obey his will. And saints... Learn to be a bondservant to Jesus Christ. Giving up of your will to do his will. Let your earlobe be nailed to the doorposts of the kingdom of heaven. Surrender your life completely to all. Yeah, we're Christians, but many of their Christians are not really bondservants. They're waiting for the sixth year, and they're going to go. Be the one that's going to love the master, the master Jesus Christ. That word in the Greek is doulos, doulos. And it's a bondservant of Christ to obey. It says, not my flesh, not my will, but his. And so Paul identifies himself, his name, 
who he is with Christ. He's a bondservant. He doesn't care about titles. He avoids those titles, but he calls himself an apostle. He calls himself an apostle. Now, there are those today who love to label themselves apostles. Why I know that when I worked in the city, I met so many religious people. Uh, it was part of the scope of my job as community affairs with the police department, community affairs, and they gave their card. And I can't tell you how many titles. I, I just remember titles, not their names somehow, because they like to glorify themselves, an apostle. Then a great apostle. And then you see a picture of them. It's like, really? Now, what qualifies one to be an apostle? We're going to go by biblical titles, right? Just like the word reverend. It's not biblical. The word reverend is not even in the Bible. The word reverend, if you read the King James Version of the Psalm, means fear. <laughs> don't call me Reverend Eddie. <laughs> you know, I don't want nobody to fear me. But that's not even a biblical title. Bishop is biblical. Deacon, elders, pastors, those are biblical titles with definition. So all of a sudden, the church just went crazy with titles because that's how man is. They care about titles. It comes from where? I think it comes from Satan himself who wanted to be like God. We need to be careful. But there are a lot of people who like to uh, have this title, but, you know, they forget that they need to be a minister first. You see, Paul said he was a bondservant before he said he was an apostle. In other words, he's saying, I'm a servant first and foremost. There are many who want to go straight to the missionary titles and avoid serving when the word minister in the Greek actually means to serve, to serve. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 and 28, he said, yet it shall not be so with you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. You want to be great? Let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the son of man. The son of man was a slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served. Jesus didn't come to be served when he was here but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. How many people willing to do that? No, I can't do that. I'm a minister. <laughs> you know, take off your collar, take off your jacket, and roll up your sleeves and start serving people. And that's what Jesus did. And so Paul, I just love the fact that he's humble, call himself an apostle, what qualifies again, an apostle. One who qualifies an apostle is scripture. We find when, when Peter and the disciples, when they wanted to fill in Judas' place, remember there had to be 12, Judas committed suicide. Jesus rose from the grave, ascended to the Father. Now they're waiting there in the upper room. But they figure, hey, wait a minute, we need to fill the 12. Where's the 12 guy? So they're casting lots for people. But here are the qualifications that Peter himself said. In Acts chapter 2, verse 21 and 22, he said, Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Now, Jesus had more than 12 disciples. If you remember in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus started sharing about, you know, it said he has 70 disciples. But when Jesus started sharing about the community, he says, You must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. They couldn't understand that. They said, This man is crazy. So they left, only the 12. And then Jesus says, Are you leaving? And Peter says, where else can we go? So it went down from 70 to 20, but there were still people following Jesus and the disciples. But he says, of those men who accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and among us, being from the baptism of John, meaning water baptism, to that day when he was taken up from us, so they had to been with those guys. There's not only the 12 apostles that were there, disciples. He says, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. 
That is a qualification. Paul even said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, Paul says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord, which he did on the road to Damascus? Are you not my work in the ministry? You see, Paul wasn't self-appointed, though many appointed themselves today. This is the qualification of one being an apostle. So when they give you a card, or you see in a website, or you see in those newspapers, the great apostle, apostle so-and-so, be careful. It's not biblical. Because you see how Paul, he wasn't self-appointed. You know, can I tell you something? You want to be a minister, you can go online right now. Be ordained in the minister, right, on, right through your computer. And that's the world we live in today, folks. Jesus said, be careful, false prophets. And people have been doing that. Paul was called by Jesus when he shared about his ministry. In Acts chapter 26, verse 15 and 16, it says, So I said, Paul is saying, who are you? Asking who he was. And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. For what? To make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which I have yet revealed to you. You see that? Paul was called. He saw Jesus. He was blind for three days, so he saw Jesus. And so when it comes to calling, we need to be careful. I even have a problem when people say, oh, you know that man? Or you know that woman? That person has a great calling, a high calling in their life. Like if this such thing is a little calling in God. Is there such thing as a not-so-great calling of God? Every call from the Lord is great, and the Lord is calling you as he called Paul. Not to be an apostle or archbishop, but, you know, just to be an electrician and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. To be a lawyer or a doctor and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what your trade is, isn't it great that the mission field is right where you work? And if what's great about it, you're getting paid for it. That's the good thing about it. And this is what I love about Paul. Anyone and everyone that is in the body of Christ called. He said, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called an apostle, separated to the gospel. Separate, that means to be set apart. And Paul was set apart. When was Paul set apart? In Acts chapter 13, verse 2. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fast. This is when they were at the church of Antioch, before Paul went out and was sent out for his mission. And he says, now... The Holy Spirit said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul. That's when his name was Saul. For the work to which I have called them. He was separated unto the Lord. You know, examine your life. Believers, saints, Christians, examine your life. I don't know what's priority in your life, but I hope it's the Lord. I hope it's the Lord. I hope that you, when you surrender your life completely to the Lord, to his will, that you say, Lord, I'm here for you. I'm not here for myself. And there are many people who have separated themselves to themselves. They're not building the kingdom of God. They're building their own empire. They worry about their earthly possessions, and they're worried about their happiness here on earth. Let me tell you something. God is faithful, and I'm a witness of that. That when you seek the kingdom first in all his righteousness, God will take care of the rest. You separate yourself to the Lord and you seek the Lord. He knows, the Bible says before we even ask, he knows what we're asking for. Who knows better? For many of you have children. You know what's best for your children. You go to the end cap of Walmart and they got all the kids' things in the eye level, right? All the sugary cereals, eye level. All the healthy stuff up on the top. They know what they're doing. Your kid wants the sugary stuff. 
sugary puffs. You know that's not good for him or her. You know what's best. God knows what's best for you. Our flesh always desire the things that are not good for us. It's because we have separated ourselves from God. We separate ourselves. Be separate unto the Lord. Why? So you could do the will of God. What's that? Sharing the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? He says, call to be an apostle, separate to the gospel of God. The gospel means good news, glad tidings. People have a problem sharing the good news and always like to mention hell. Repent. You're going to hell. Yeah, if you know, you're, that's Satan. You're going to hell. No, that's not good news. That's the truth. That is the truth. But that's not good news. The good news is that God made a way. The good news is not a bunch of good advice. The good news is not a a code of ethics or morals. It's not a creed. The good news of the gospel is God's message for man. The good news is that God the Father sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to save the world. That's the good news. I can't save myself. We can't save ourselves. No one can save you, not even your country, not even the two that are running for office. No one can save you, no one. That's the good news, the gospel. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain, for I deliver to you first of all that which I also received. And here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. There is a savior who took my place. I belong on the cross. There is no way out if it wasn't for Jesus. And Jesus took my place in Calvary. Christ did not come to make bad men good, but to give dead men life. Good people, can I tell you this? Good people do not go to heaven. Those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ go to heaven. What is good? By whose definition? The world has a definition what is good. Is it by the world's definition or by God's standards? And how do you know God's standards? His word. Regardless of what the legislators or the elected officials are running for, whether they're in favor of things against the scripture, it doesn't matter what they say, no matter what they do. It doesn't matter what this country, who the country puts into office. God is in the throne. And they're going to pass laws, things that look like it makes sense. And the world's going to be blinded by what's going on in our culture today. And they get all caught up. But it's not by the standards of the United States of America. It's the standards based on biblical scriptures. And so that's how we live by it. That's the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, I, Paul, bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel, which he promised before through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Throughout the scriptures, we find the prophecies of Jesus Christ, the Mashiach, Yeshua, to come and to take our place in Calvary. The prophecies have been mentioned over and over again. 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament speaks of Jesus' return. Though the New Testament is new, the message 
is not that new. It's been spoken of years ago of the Messiah. It's a new covenant through Jesus Christ. The gospel was promised through the prophets in all the scriptures. The first messianic prophecy in the Bible it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Women do not have seed, and is in capital. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Yes, you'll pierce his hands and feet. Yes, you'll have your way with him by putting him on the cross, putting him the crown of thorns on his head. But he's going to crush your head when you see the tomb is empty, and the tomb is empty. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, though they be as white as snow, though they are red like chrism, they shall be as wool. So there's a promise of turning our sins, and the Lord is going to make us white as snow. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Prophecies after prophecies after prophecies. We don't have enough time to go over 300 of them, but trust me, they're there. But in the New Testament, Peter writes this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 12. I'm sorry, 10 to 12. He says, On this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us that we, that I'm sorry, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Now, that blew me away when I looked at the end. Angels? They're in the presence of God. They're angelic beings. God didn't die for angels. He died for people. And so here the angels are probably thinking to themselves, this is our creator. We're around his throne 24-7, glorifying him, worshiping him. But I remember the time when he went down and left his throne to die for some short guy named Eddie. I don't understand it. What is it that Eddie has? Or what is it about Eddie that he left his throne to die for him? The chief of all sinners, love. And we sang that song, Amazing Love. There is nothing about me that I can think that would say, Lord, you see, you have to love me. But he loves me. He loves you. And the angels are bugged out about this. He left this throne for them? For those maggots? <laughs> really? They are perplexed. They're looking into these things because there's a reason why they're looking into it because it doesn't make sense to them. And that's the love of Jesus. And that's the good news. That Jesus left this throne to die on the cross. Took our place in Calvary. So that salvation through his grace is not by works. It's through the grace of God that now we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Powerful. 
which he promised, verse 2, before through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures, verse 3, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Saying, talking about the, the, the man, Jesus. Jesus was man. He was fully man. He was fully God. And he was the son of God. Jesus was God. He became flesh. John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. You go down to verse 14 in John chapter 1. And the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. His name is Manuel. God with us. He was made flesh, and it was through the seed of David, the tribe of Judah, as promised by the prophets. And this is something the Jews don't believe, they, they cannot understand. How can the Messiah come from the tribe of Judah? When we know that the Levitical tribe is the priestlyhood of all 12 tribes, uh, they got to go back and do a little bit more study because Melchizedek tells that, speaks of that, that he would come from another tribe. When he met Abraham, when his name was Abram. Remember, Abram met this man, unknown priest named Melchizedek. He said he would come from another tribe. So he came in the form of man, verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. If Christ had not risen from the grave, then he would not and could not be God. But he conquered the grave. He conquered sin and death. Christ was crucified, buried, and rose the third day. Jesus proved to be the Son of God, as it was prophesied. Jesus is the Lord. And let me tell you, saints, that is the gospel Paul is an apostle of. And that is the good news Paul is separated to. And as Paul made that commitment, can we say we make this commitment too? Am I just a Christian on Sundays? Am I just a Christian on Wednesdays or when it's convenient? I want to be separated to the Lord. I want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't want to go to heaven and say should have, could have, would have. I want to say that I witness to everyone, my neighbors, my coworkers. I witness to my fellow students, to my teachers. I witness to my family members. I want to say I witness to everyone that was on the line in Walmart. I, want to, I didn't want to say should have, could have, would have. I want to hear when the Lord says, well done, thy good and faithful servant, that it's going to glorify him. And the only way that can happen is we separate ourselves, not to ourselves, not to our worldly desires, not to our little programs, not to our plans, not to our future. But if we separate ourselves unto the Lord, the world, you can imagine what God can do in Milford and Pike County. Because there's a group of radical believers in Jesus Christ that is ministering the gospel they, and how they do that they separated themselves the book of Romans gives us a unique review of scriptural doctrine as we continue to learn from this New Testament book we'll also discover the gospel's powerful message throughout and discover practical life application with it as well. We pray Eddie's message on running the race has been an encouragement to you and that you're eager to learn more about the gospel message and how it applies to you. We'd like you to know that we pray for you regularly here at Running the Race, and we're so glad that you are one of our listeners. We'd also like to encourage you to find a local church where you can be part of a community that's growing together in faith. With that in mind, 
Here's Tracy. Maybe you're listening right now in Milford, Pennsylvania, and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. For more information, call us at 570-296-7367. That's 570-296-7367. Or log on to runningtheraceradio.com and click on Service Times. Thanks, Tracy. That website, once again, is runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, you can also listen to more messages by Eddie or download them to take with you on the go. That's all we have for today, but join us again for more on the Book of Romans right here on Running the Race. I'm